Welcome to the Newport Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Newport Church is a non-denominational, spirit-filled church, part of the Dove International Apostolic Network of Churches and Ministries. We are located between Mannheim and Lidditz in northern Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. We look forward to seeing you. And now, here is today's message. Great. Hallelujah. Good. Thank you, Jamie. Awesome to see our children heading off to learn more about Jesus. Amen? We're going to stay here and learn more about Jesus. Amen? Yes, come on. All right. Hallelujah. Good stuff. Great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to come before you the opportunity to enjoy your presence. God, I thank you that you move and you um, encounter each one of our hearts. Father, I thank you for life. I thank you for truth. I thank you for the truth of your word to shine forth this morning in a powerful way. I thank you, Lord, for all that you desire to be accomplished in our lives. God, we surrender it to you in Jesus' name. And we say yes and amen. We agree with you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So thank you, Phil, for giving the update. Thank you for everybody who is uh, jumping in and supporting. I know life groups came and like uh, uh, helped clean out stuff and help move things and help prepare that. Thank you so much for that. That's awesome. I know uh, different people are, you know, maybe donating different things or giving things at cost, and and uh, that's so so appreciative. Uh, we we so appreciate that here to see what uh, can happen in this space. One of the things that uh, we're excited to see is that the children are able to have their own wing. We're excited. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to get the sound desk moved to the new sound desk place back there, you know, and uh, where the sound desk is actually closer to center of the room to hear, you know, and be able to mix better and mix well and uh, being able to fill in more chairs and to have the bathrooms out there in the lobby. Come on. That's good. You know, uh, I think that's going to be the most felt need that everyone is going to feel, right? Uh, and, and so we're super excited about that. One thing that I'm also excited about is the, the possibility to expand. As we uh, put a, a removable wall here, we were like, well, we don't want to just open up the wall and do away with the gym. Our, our families and our youth, like they, they see that, that that's something that is sowing into their life. And so we wanted to be able to say, well, how can we expand? How can we create space to expand and still keep some investment for our youth and investment in sports and investment? How many of you have been uh, excited by pickleball? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's happening. There's a bunch of people who come and, and show up here. I, did, I didn't even know what pickleball was. I was like, I, what are y'all doing with pickles? I, I mean, it was just, it was, but it's a big thing, and it's getting bigger, apparently. So uh, it's awesome uh, to see that. So we, we were like, no, we need to keep, you know, we need to keep a, a gym here as an investment in our, in our family and our young people. And so we wanted to be, we wanted to uh, create space to grow and multiply as well as be able to do that. And we look forward to what God is going to do as we make space for that to happen and uh, all that He is doing uh, in this church, in this region. There's something special that God is doing in this region. 
there's something special that God is doing in this place, and, and we uh, believe wholeheartedly that we are called to be a part of it. Amen? Every one of us, not just uh, leaders, not just um, uh, members of, uh, of the ministry team, but every single one of us is a part of that move, of what God is doing in our generation. Amen? Last week, Shane preached about trusting God in the journey with him, and uh, I mean, I love seeing uh, young ministers raised up. I love seeing pastors raised up, people who are called to ministry, anointed for ministry, raised up and empowered. That's something like it's always been a part of what we do is always take people along and, and, and see people empowered and raised up and equipped. And that's something that I believe is in the heart of God. And um, so I don't, I w- just as a church, I want to encourage you to like when, when, when people stand up and they preach for the first or second or third time, like let's get behind them. Let's encourage them. Amen. And, and you guys are, are already so good at that. But I, do, I want to call that out, you know, and say, hey, let's do this intentionally where we see God's hand on, on people's lives and as they minister, uh, maybe from the front or maybe from uh, in life groups or, or just you get ministered to, let's encourage everyone. Amen? Let's, in, let's, let's have this spirit of encouragement move through our body and just uh, to, to encourage what God is doing as people step out and as people, because it's, it's a risk. It's a risk to stand and minister and to preach and to step out and say, hey, I think I have a prophetic word for you or, or to, you know, to take time to pray for somebody. or it, There's a little bit of a risk in that. And so we want to see an environment, a culture where that risk is encouraged. Amen? All right? And that's what church is about. That's what church is. And we don't always hit it every time. That's okay. But we want to have an environment where we see people raised up, empowered, and equipped. The reason is because God has so much more for us to do. God has so much more for us to do. And there are a lot of leaders needed in the body of Christ. And I believe that Newport Church is to be a leadership factory. Amen? Where we empower and equip and, and send and release and, and uh, see people step, uh, step into the function and the calling of God that He has on their life. Amen? So if you believe that you're called to ministry or called to leadership... Uh, one thing I want to encourage you to do is also invest in that calling. Nothing happens automatically. We're like, well, I feel called. I had a, you know, three prophetic words, two angelic visitations, and uh, I'm going to be a leader someday. Well, you're not if you don't do anything. It's like if God you know, gives you a prophetic word about being a doctor, you still go to medical school, right? Like You don't just show up one day and be like, I'm going to be anoint- an anointed doctor. Right? No, you invest in the calling, in the in what God has placed in your heart and in your life. So, if you feel called to ministry, I want to encourage you to do things uh, that invest in that call in your life. Do stuff like the Dove Leadership School. You know, do stuff uh, like there's all kinds of ministry schools around. You can be involved in. Uh, there's you know there's life groups here. Uh, uh, Sheree and Lisa's life group is specifically about leadership and developing some of the soft skills, some of the things. Sometimes people feel rejected. And they don't realize that they're actually like crossing a boundary and they're, they don't know that, you know, and that's not. Um, so we want to see people empowered and we want to explain the dynamics of leadership and we want to see every person achieve what God has placed in their lives and in their hearts to achieve. Amen. Yeah, that was a good place to say amen. <laughs> I know I've said it like five times now in the last four minutes, but we're good. 
Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. All right, let's preach. Merle, let's preach. Come on. Okay, so, uh, you know, in the world today, and how many of you know that we're more connected than ever before in time? We're more connected with strangers, absolute strangers. We're more impacted by what absolute strangers do than we've ever been in times past. We're more connected um, to people that we don't even know. In today's world, you know, the mistakes of people that we have never met or complete strangers can have a greater impact on our life than we realize. Uh, one of these examples is uh, last year in, in June of 2020, this report is in an investing magazine, uh, there was a fat finger error. You can follow along with me, uh, by the way, in the, in the church app. Uh, you can follow along with some notes in there and see the scriptures that we're going to be preaching out of today. But how many of you know what a fat finger error is? Yeah? It's where you type the wrong thing or you add another zero, and that's exactly what happened. There was a fat finger error by a London-based trader with Citigroup, the bank Citigroup. They have a floor of, uh, and traders that trade for them, trade stocks and securities and all that kind of thing for them. And the fat finger error triggered a flash crash across the European stock markets. Imagine, <laughs> you think you have a bad day. <laughs> you, a flash crash, that, uh, flash crash across the European stock markets that, could, that cost the bank at least $50 million. Anyone do a $50 million mistake recently? And the trader that was working, uh, who was working from home when they incorrectly added an extra zero to the trade Quoting, uh, uh, Bloomberg reported, quoting people familiar with the matter, the split-second mistake on a 2nd of May bank holiday wreaked havoc across the markets in Europe, triggering a sell-off that reportedly wiped out as much as 300 billion euros in one day. Think about, like, pensions. Think about, like, IRAs. Think about, you know, the investing you know, and so somebody's all set and ready to retire, and you don't want to retire on that day, right? Trading was briefly suspended in several markets that morning after the leading share indices recorded sudden and steep declines. So it hit the circuit breakers, and they were like, okay, we're, we're, we're stopped. No one's able to take any trades anymore until we figure out what's going on. So, you know, uh, that's just one example of being interconnected, so interconnected, and our finances being so interconnected with people, we have, we, nobody knew who this guy was. I'm sure he went into hiding, you know, the next day, like, nobody know, change my name, get it off the website, you know, like, whatever. But like, nobody knew who this guy was, but yet, millions of people were affected by a simple mistake. Reminds me a lot of Adam and Eve. Anyone here know Adam and Eve personally? No. Anyone affected by their mistake? Yeah. <laughs> right? All right? See, we're, we're, we're so interconnected, yet um, statistics tell us that we're more lonely than we've ever been. More disconnected emotionally, more lonely than we've ever been. I was talking to somebody uh, just, you know, uh, in, a different, in a different region the other day, and they were like, you know, like I, I've been in this crowd of people and it's amazing how alone you can feel in a crowd of people 
who are all doing the same thing, all rooting for the same thing, rooting, rooting for the same team, and just you can feel alone in that. See, our brains today are, are so busy analyzing and prioritizing data that comes to us. There's more and more data that's coming to us. And what it does is it can cause like this place of, I don't know what to do. It can cause this place of overwhelm. And so what happens is as, as this generation is having, more, having to process more data than any other generation before them, you know, which honestly, so there is a blessing in it because you can accomplish so much more with all the data that comes, right? All right, but there's also the flip side of that is that it can be a curse because it can, can cause anxiety and, and when you're so busy analyzing and prioritizing data, it steals joy, it steals peace, it can steal hope if you don't do it well. And so, you know, if we're not careful, we wind up sacrificing that which is the most important for that which is the most urgent. You know, that whole, uh, uh, that whole dialogue, that whole dilemma between what's important versus what's urgent, right? Like a phone call might not be very important, but it's very urgent because if you don't get it, you're going to miss it, right? A text is neither urgent nor important most of the time, uh, unless it's like your bank has been hacked, you know? And it, but like, yeah, there's, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if any banks send text messages like that, but they do? Okay, they do. <clears throat> All right, but there's this, you know, there's this thing, this is battle between the, imper- the important and the urgent. And so uh, we have to constantly make sure that we prioritize what's important, that we prioritize and we plan for what's important. So later this year, uh, Sheree and I are actually going to be taking a sabbatical. It's our first sabbatical in America, I think, right? Since 2016, since we moved here, it'll be our first sabbatical. Yes. You know, and all the other times we were like traveling internationally when we were taking a a sabbatical, uh, it was, yeah, it never really wound up being a a real sabbatical. So this is like our first real one. Yes. You know, later this year. Why? Because we're taking time to prioritize what's important. We're taking time to say, God, what is this next season about that we're heading into? Where's Newport Church headed? And we want to make sure that we are geared up and ready to be able to walk into the new season, into this next season for Newport Church, amen, and for Dove International, everything that's going on in our own lives. So that, you know, that's going to be happening for us, but every one of us, we have the responsibility, and God actually gives us the responsibility to make sure we prioritize and plan for what is the most important things in our life, right? There's, there's, I mean, you got to do this with date nights, you got to do this with your family. You got to do this with kids because otherwise the TV, which winds up being like a time vacuum, just kind of sucks your, your time away from you, right? All of a sudden, like you, you, you sit there and you do, you've done nothing, which feels good because sometimes we can be so overtaxed in our, in our minds. We just need to veg, uh, you know, do something with pickles, play ball with them. Like, but like you, there, there's this place where, where if, if you're not careful, and you don't have a plan, and you don't have a structure for what is important in your life, other things just kind of take it away. Jesus has a lot to say about priorities. In fact, this whole urgent versus important, I think, is really what's going on here in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. says this, it's, and I'm going to read out of the Amplified Version, which is amplified. There's a lot more words than most other versions. 
you know, um, but I, I like how it says it here. It says, now while they were on their way, it occurred that Jesus entered a certain village and a woman named Martha received and welcomed him into her house. So she sees him coming. She's like, oh, Jesus, come on in. We're going to make, come on, we're going to have dinner. We're going to, let's come on in. We welcome you into our home, right? And as she had a, and she, excuse me, verse 39, had a sister named Mary who seated herself at the Lord's feet. And was listening to his teaching. But Martha, overly occupied and too busy, was dis- man, if that doesn't describe some generation today, overly occupied and too busy, was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand and do her part along with me. But the Lord replied to her, saying, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. There is need for only one thing or there is need for only but a few things. And Mary has chosen the good portion, that which is to her advantage, which which shall not be taken away from her. See, what's happening here is Martha, you know, I mean, in Eastern culture or Middle Eastern culture, like hosting is a really big deal. Right? Like it's 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 a big hospitality is huge. Like it's it's hospitality is king. And how you host someone is really important. And it's like it's 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 this thing of like you would rather be like you would rather be called you know dead than inhospitable, right? Like there was this whole thing like like hospitality is so important. And so this is the culture that Martha and Mary live in. This is the culture that Jesus is there. So Martha, I mean, she's hosting. And this is, there's a great deal of emphasis and, and she wants to host well. I mean, here, here is the pressure of, yeah, we're going to invite Jesus into our home. We're going to invite him and his disciples and all these people that are traveling with him. We're going to invite him into our home. And like, ah! Anybody else ever feel that? Ah! Like right before Thanksgiving dinner? Or something like that, where it's like, you know, like, come on, we got to clean up, kids, come on. You know, I, I, I think it was, what, it was John Chris or something that was, you know, he was like, people are going to be here in three minutes, clean up, throw the furniture out, they can't even know we sit. <laughs> right? Like, there's this place of like, going at it to get, to be able to host well. And, and, and so this is the dilemma that, that Martha finds herself in, like, she's done the invitation, but then there's this place of like, ah, What's happening now? And so Martha, you know, she's the one who arranged for Jesus to be at her house. She's responsible. And so she's taking responsibility for what she has invited into her home. With the, and there was these cultural expectations that were put on hosts. And especially if you were a woman, there was cultural expectations that were put on you. It was like, you have got to show up and you have got to show off. Like this is your time to shine in, the, in this culture. And so, uh, you know, for the women of the household, you know, there was these certain things that were expected and needed to happen, and it was customary for women to work hard in hosting while the men, you know, sat around and and, uh, discussed important things. (coughs) Uh, 
But like, you know, so this was the environment that, that, that is happening right here when Martha and, and Mary are there and Jesus is there talking. You know, here's Jesus and he, he's teaching and he's, he's you know, there, there's people sitting around him and I'm sure that there's wise scholars there. I'm sure that maybe there's a few Pharisees there. You know, there's the disciples are there and, you know, really pe- people that uh, you, you would want to impress if they were in your house. And it was customary for the women to work hard, you know, in this time. And so, you know, Martha, the difference I think here between Martha and Mary is, is Martha was trying to impress Jesus while Mary was impressed by Jesus. Martha was trying to impress Jesus while Mary was impressed by Jesus. You see, I, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm sure that Martha was trying to send like subliminal messages to Mary. You know, like the nod, like, you know, maybe even a wave, like, get in the kitchen with me, you know, like help, right? And, and Mary's not picking up on any. We don't know if she was just being, you know, obstinate or if she was just clueless, you know? <laughs> like she's not picking up. So, so Martha's like, Jesus, let's, pri- let's try some public shame, <laughs> right? Like, Jesus, don't you care that Mary is not helping me? Don't you care that she's letting me, you know, to do all these great things? And what happens is Martha's trying to get Jesus to help her to uphold the expectations of the culture that they were in. And it didn't work very well, did it? It's interesting that Jesus never condemned the culture. Like he never said, you don't need to do that. That's, that's worth it. No, he didn't say any of that. He just said, Martha, Martha. You're so consumed with so many things. Jesus actually never condemned the culture of hospitality. He never said that Martha was trying, what she was trying to do was bad. He just helped her see herself. Isn't that what God does to us many times is he helps us see ourselves in light of his presence, in light of who he is? When we come to him, he actually helps us see, see ourselves and, and, and he tells her, look, you're anxious and you're troubled by many things. But then what Jesus did was he affirmed what was important. He affirmed what was priority. And, there's a, and, and he says that, you know, there's only one thing that's really important. Or, or other different uh, historic translations say there's only a few things that are important. And Mary has chosen the good portion. And that is not going to be taken away from her. From her. You see, there's, there's, when, when Jesus shows up, and there's an opportunity to sit at his feet. As his followers, we need to sit at his feet. And all these other things that might be good, that might be important on another day, need to be prioritized properly to, be, uh, to know what we set our, our, give our attention to. For us to know what is really important. And so here at Newport Church, you know, we... we you know, charismatic churches don't really like to say that they have, have a structure. We, we have a structure, <laughs> you know. Like, we kind of do similar things every Sunday morning, right? Like, th- there's a culture to it. There's, and we have a way of doing things. And I want to be the first to say as lead pastor that we are committed that as God moves in Newport Church, we are going to pause our normal routine and our normal activity and sit at his feet and follow him. We're going to let him move, and we want to respond to him. And we don't want to like waffle in that, right? There, there, we want to we be um, 
excellent in that. But when, when God shows up in a powerful way for a meeting, you know, I don't, even like when, I don't even like when other people say when God shows up, as if he wasn't here already, right? Like, do you know that, and like sometimes we sing songs or we, 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 we pray like, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Well, he's already here. Like, the Holy Spirit is here. What are we asking for? We're actually, at, like, it's not like he's going to give us more. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. Amen? Yeah? But what we're actually asking for is, God, we want more. We, we want to encounter more of what you have already given to us. Right? Like, that's, that's what we're actually looking for. Like, God, we want to be made more into your image. We want to be made more into your likeness. We want the Holy Spirit that you have poured out on the earth to have free reign and full, uh, act, uh, <laughs> full activity in our own lives. And that's what we're actually asking for, right? So we want to make sure that we, we are ask accurately. But, you know, um, I used to think it arrogant of people uh, to presume that, you know, let me just say that this way. I, I used to think it was arrogant for people to presume that you know it, they would worship God in such a manner that it would seem like they were just that God, like when they did these three songs or they prayed, like God was going to move. I used to think that was arrogant. Like, how do you know? I mean, He's God, right? Like, you should be humble and just come to Him. I mean, I would never say this, but like timid and shy and tentative. <laughs> and see, like sometimes, you know, it, it, it almost seemed like people could direct the Holy Spirit or make the Holy Spirit move. And I was offended by their confidence that God would really show up in meetings or when they gathered together. And, and to be honest, they, they, these people weren't demanding, right? Um, they were just showing themselves as confident. And when I would see that confidence, I would get offended and see it as arrogance. Then I had to go through a change of heart <laughs> where I realized that my frustration at their perceived arrogance was actually a manifestation of an orphan spirit on my part. And I wasn't, you know, because... I wasn't sure that God actually wanted to move. You see, when, when you have an orphan heart, confidence seems like arrogance. An orphan can't be confident because you never really know where you're at. Am I accepted today? Did I do good enough today? And it winds up being all about performance and work. And when you have an orphan heart, you feel like you have, you, you have to work your way to God and you feel like He might not be pleased with you. And so you approach very tentatively, hoping to see, like, are there clues that He loves me? Are there clues that, like, I'm good enough today? Hoping to see that what you've done is good enough to be responded to. When you have an orphan heart, you tend to connect God's love with your performance and you have to prove that you're worth having around over and over again. See what I did here, God? See what I did there, God? See what I did here? Kind of. And though we don't always talk in these terms, what happens is our heart 
is at a different place than our head. Francis Chan, this, uh, this last weekend, he talked about deception, and, and it's, you know, it, it wasn't, it's not so much deception of the head as much as deception of our heart. We're like, I know this to be true, but my heart doesn't really always live it. And so some, the problem is that we got to root out some of the orphan heart, the orphan mentality in our hearts, right? See, so like then inevitably what happens, I don't know if uh, for any of you who've ever dealt with any of this, you know, in the middle of your journey of trying to be good enough, someone just comes waltzing right past your tentative you know, approach to God, just waltzes right back, like da 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 And they, they, like, they just come marching into the throne room. Right? And you're, you can have like this almost, you know, you would, might feel like it's righteous indignation. Like, why, why would you do that? You have, what are you doing? You know, because you're like, coming to God to see if you're good enough. And this person who doesn't care if they're good enough or not just comes waltzing into the throne room as if God was waiting just to meet with them. And you can become offended in your heart. And it can feel righteous, but really it's just a religious spirit. It's just a religious spirit. See, a religious spirit and an orphan spirit are best friends. They love to go places together. <laughs> they hang out all the time. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 shows us what confidence looks like. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, our weaknesses do not keep us out of the presence of God. Our weaknesses do not cast us from His presence but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Tell your neighbor, say, with confidence. With confidence. See, the thing is this, like, this, it doesn't say with groveling. It doesn't say tentatively draw near to the throne of grace. God, have I done enough to earn Your grace today? No. With confidence. A place of God, I'm expecting that Your grace works in my life. I'm expecting that you, what, what You do, You do for me. What You do for everyone, You do for me. Right? Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Isn't it, isn't it human nature that like when we need the most help, we wind up being the hardest to help? Anyone, I mean, maybe it's only like me or maybe it's only this region where like, you know, this thing of like, well, when you're being, when you need the most help, you're actually the hardest to help. Like you push everybody away, you throw up walls, you like, you're more committed to distance than committed to connection. And so like, what, you know, sometimes we come to God and we're like, God, I come, but just so you know, I know I don't deserve to be here. Any of you who are parents, how would you like if your children did that to you every day? Like, Dad, Mom, 
I know I don't deserve to be in the house. I know I don't deserve the room that I have. Actually, that, that might be true. No. <laughs> you know, like, I know I don't deserve this amazing food that you cook for me every day. I know, right? Like, like how, that, okay, every once in a while that might feel gratifying, but like, like, every day you'd be like, okay, grow up. Like, this is your home. Figure it out. Yet this is what we do to God many times. And then we take it a step further. And, 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 and like, you know, uh, uh, any of you parents, your goal is to raise like fu- fully functional adults. And so you teach your children how to do things like operate the toaster. And you te- teach your children how to do things like operate the stove, right? And like, here's the cupboard filled with food. And, and this is how you make food for yourself, right? In expecting that they would actually do that. Yeah? And so, but this is what we do in church sometimes is, is God, You've given us tools. You've taught us how to operate praise. You've taught us how to operate worship. you taught us how to pray. you taught us how to pray in tongues. But, but Lord, would You just do it all for us? Would You just like, would You just like turn our finances around? Even though you've taught us principles of tithing, you've taught us principles of being wise investors, wise stewards. Mom, Dad, I'm so hungry. The kitchen's full of food. I know, but would you make it for me? (laughs) How many times do we do that to God? Where we are asking Him to do what He has given us tools to accomplish already. When he says, I want you to pray that the same type of authority structure, kingdom realm, access to me, uh, uh, health and wholeness that is in heaven, I want you to pray that that comes to earth. And yet we sit back and we're like, God, if, if it be your will, would you do it? No. <laughs> I mean, as an earthly parent, you want your kids to come waltzing into the room being like, Dad, look what I did today. <laughs> like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you know? Like, that's what you want. You want full confidence in your kids. You, you, you know, like, your goal is to raise fully functional adults. God's goal is to raise fully functional Christians and believers who can walk with Him, not be drug around by Him who can run with Him, who can dream with Him. And that's what Adam and Eve were doing, right? In the cool of the day. That's the connection that they had with God. Was this place of like, you know, I'm sure that like Adam was, was, was sitting there, you know, do, wait, wait, wait. Do you, do you recognize that like God's seventh day that He rested was man's first full day? So God's seventh day of rest was the first day that mankind encountered God. God. Mankind encountered God in a place of rest. In a place of like, hey, let's dream together. Let's be together. Let's enjoy our time together. Right? Like that's, that's, that's how mankind encountered God. 
You see, we, we, we have the confidence to act. We have the confidence to initiate because of the throne of grace. Yeah, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We get it. And we want to commit to holiness and righteousness and, and be committed to those things and see transformation happen. Yes, 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 amen. But it doesn't exclude you from relationship. It doesn't exclude us from connection and wholeness in relationship with God. Right? So God wants us, you know, He's like, hey, I want you to learn to grow. I want you to learn to use faith. I want you to learn to pray in tongues. I want you to learn to, to, to use praise and worship in your life, reading and proclaiming the Word of God, knowing and claiming the promises that I've spoken over you, exercising joy, confident in righteousness, peace, and joy, which is the kingdom of God. Right? That's, these are all tools and things that God has given to us. And so I used to get offended because of my orphan heart at that time of people who just acted like they knew how to do everything. But really, we're called to approach the throne of grace like that. Like you can change the environment in your home. You can change the environment in your workplace by what you do with the powerful tools that God has given you. Amen? You get to change the environment in your home, in your town, in your region, with the powerful tools that God has given you. All right. So God said, I'm teaching you how to do everything, and you need to know how to live in my kingdom. Here's how you handle your health. Here's how you handle your finances. Here's how you handle relationships. You're going to need to learn how to forgive. How do we learn how to forgive? Pretty much like I forgave you. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Here's how to handle your emotions. See, the one thing that I recognize about an orphan spirit is you never feel like you belong. You always feel like an outsider. Danny Silk uh, gives a comparison here, and I, I've, I've listed it in the notes in the app there, that an orphan feels afraid, alone, not beloved abandoned survivor a consumer just always always taking always re receiving when somebody who's adopted someone who knows that they've been adopted by god that they that they're connected to god they feel beloved they feel chosen they feel gloried in they which means they feel celebrated they feel safe they feel secure and they feel like a source They feel like a source. Romans 8, 14 and 16 says this. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For the Spirit which you have, have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father! The Spirit Himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are the children of God. You know what that means? That means you feel it. Where your spirit's like, could it be true that I'm home? Could it be true that I feel connected? And the Holy Spirit's like, yes, you're connected. Yes, this is your home. Yes. Spirit of connection with God and sonship uh, adoption, the spirit of adoption starts from a different place. It starts with the premise that God wants to move. 
God wants to encounter His children. The spirit of connection with God says, we know God wants to move. God wants to encounter us. God wants to meet with us. It is just a matter of how He will do it today. What treasure has He hidden for us to find in His Word today, in the world today, or in His people today? What treasure has He hidden for us to find in worship today? That's the expectation. Thanks for listening today. We would like to invite you back to our services starting at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more great content from Newport Church, check out newportchurch.net or visit our YouTube channel. To get the right one, search for Newport Church in Elm, PA.